0: This is Real Estate Rookie episode 132.
1: If we are better in the competition, yet no one finds us, they find the alternative, the clients are getting a disservice. They're, they're experiencing someone that's inferior because we are superior. And if our clients are experiencing something inferior, that's their problem. But it's our fault for not marketing.
0: My name is ashley care and i'm here with tony robinson
2: and welcome to the real estate rookie where we give you all the information all the inspiration all the education you need to get started in your real estate investing journey and sometimes we talk about the nitty-gritty about real estate investing other times talk about things that might support your real estate investing career and that's what we're going to do today
0: so this saturday is a rookie reply as usual but we are doing it a little bit different once in a while we do have a guest on for the Ricky Reply. And today we have Mike, the author of Get Different. And he is going to talk to us about marketing. And he will actually go into why marketing is important for a real estate investor.
2: And he's got so many really good points just all together. Honestly, I got introduced to, to Mike McAllowitz through his book Profit First. I've mentioned in the podcast before. If you guys haven't read that, definitely encourage you guys to go pick it up. But today he started to talk about his book, Get Different, which is about marketing. And I know you might be thinking like, Tony, Ashley, why are we talking about marketing on a real estate podcast? But if you think about it, there's so many activities in your real estate investing business that require you to stand out amongst a crowd of other investors. And that's what the premise of this conversation is. And he goes over different frameworks that you can follow. He gives you step-by-step advice on how to make yourself stand out, and really just to how to start framing your own conversations with yourself about marketing, about being different, about standing out, that will help you in your real estate business for sure.
0: Yeah, we actually, jam pack a lot into this short episode. We go from talking about how not to be a dick and don't be a dick to talking about the dad marketing strategy to talking about me coming out of the closet once again. And also, (laughs) I rudely interrupt Tony. So lots of things happen during this short episode on this week's Rookie Reply.
2: Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. This show is sponsored by Airbnb.
3: Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be.
4: Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP.
0: So let's bring Mike onto the show.
2: Mike McCallowitz, thank you so much for joining us, man. I am super pumped to have you on here. And, and before we get into it, I gotta say that I'm fanboying a little bit because I've read some of your other books and they've had a big impact on my life. But Mike, for the listeners that don't know you, Please just give us like an introduction of who you are, what you're about, and kind of what your mission is in life. Yeah, so uh,
1: it's Mike McCallow. It's here. I was actually looking at the wrong camera. I have two cameras, and my <laughs> my main camera broke, so I'm on my backup. And I, I was like, trying to scare you down <laughs> with the wrong camera. <laughs> so, yeah. There you go. <laughs>
0: oh, there we are.
1: <laughs> and now I got. Now I got it. The backup. The backup. So uh, I'm an author guy. I, I write books about small business, but uh, my journey has been entrepreneurial. I've been an entrepreneur my entire adult life. Today, I, I own two companies. I've four licensed companies, so six collectively that I'm helping manage and run. But uh, I'm passionate about those businesses. I'm super passionate about the entrepreneurial journey because I've struggled in it. And I've been very successful in it. And I've seen the highs and the lows. And I think there should be a lot more highs for entrepreneurs and a lot less lows. My goal is to eradicate what I call entrepreneurial poverty. What I mean by that is there's a vision that Tony, Ashley, we all had when we started our businesses. And then there's the reality when you start it, and it's usually a pretty big gap. I'll be personally free. I can do what I want when I want. I'm gonna be financially free. I'll make all the money in the world. And it's like, oh my God, I have no money and my life sucks. All I do is work. That gap is what I call entrepreneurial poverty. And through the work I do as an author, my mission is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty.
2: I love that breakdown, Mike. And I love the concept of entrepreneurial poverty. And you've mentioned in some of your books I was initially introduced to you, Mike, through your book, Profit First, which is really big amongst a lot of operators in the vacation rental, short-term rental space here. A lot of people talking about it. So today we're actually talking about a different book, which is called, and if you guys are watching this on YouTube, it's called Get Different, um, another great book by Mike. But before we get into Get Different, Mike, if you can just give us like the 20-second breakdown of Profit First for those that aren't familiar with that process, I'd, I'd love that.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we've been told for ever since the invention of modern accounting, which is about 300 years old now, that profit is the bottom line. It's the words we use. It's the year end. And the formula is sales minus expenses equals profit. But what I found is the vast majority of small businesses are never profitable. So what confused me is, hold on, if this is the formula and we start a business to be profitable, that's like one of the main reasons. How come almost no one's profitable? And I was staring at the formula one day, and then it hit me. I was like, oh, my God, this formula is wrong. I mean, mathematically, yeah, it works. But behaviorally, it is wrong. When something comes last, it's human nature to categorize that as insignificant. Like, Tony, if, if you love your family, I strongly suspect you don't say, I love my family so much, I've decided to start putting them last. And, like, like, actually, if you had a health scare, you wouldn't be like, oh, my God, I need to really take care of my health. I'm going to start putting my health last. We would never do that because last means it doesn't matter. And in profit, we're, we're calling it the bottom line, the final take, the year end. It doesn't matter. So in profit first, I teach a real simple system. We flip the formula. It's sales minus profit equals expenses. What happens in execution is every time revenue comes into our business, we take a predetermined percentage of that money as profit, allocate it away, hide it from our business, then run the business off the rest. We're not taking profit first. It's the pay yourself first principle applied to business. And I'm very proud and happy to report that there's over 600,000 companies now doing Profit First. They are all, not, more, not just, I should say, consistently profitable. They're actually growing faster than their contemporaries because they're building a healthier business.
0: That is so awesome. And congratulations on share, being able to share that with so many companies and helping them grow and scale that fast. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, that's the ultimate. Like running I was at the airport, and it doesn't happen often, quite the opposite. But occasionally, someone's like, oh, my God, you're that guy. <laughs> and I'm like, which guy are you thinking about? And sometimes yeah. it's a totally different guy. Like, oh, I'm not that guy. But sometimes it's like, oh, I read your book. Prophet First is usually the one. That's my most popular. And then people share their stories that sometimes it just takes me, I start tearing up, and, and takes me to this emotional state, of just joy and happiness for these people, for the transformation they've made in their own lives.
0: That is so cool to be on the other side of that. Like, yes, it's awesome for those people that have that transformation. But when you realize that you had a small impact on just opening up an idea to them and then they go and implement it. Yeah, that's awesome.
2: I was just gonna say, we might have to get you back on, Mike, for a second go around where we can just kind of focus on the profit first side, because I I think there'll be a lot of value for that as well. Oh, sure. Yeah, teach the system. I'd love to. But today, again, we're here to talk about Get Different, which is actually a book about marketing. And why it's important for, for small businesses to, to do that. Now, before we dive in, just for, for like our rookie listeners, you guys might be thinking like marketing, like why are we talking about marketing on a real estate podcast? And Mike, you actually have a really good story in here about talking to like one of your, your realtor friends and, and how it can be applied to this business. But I just want to wanna set the table for the listeners that even though you're an investor, you still have to market. There is still a marketing aspect to your business if you want to find a really good deal you're going to have to find a way to market it if you don't want to just rely on zillow right you you might not have to do some direct to seller marketing say that you want to raise money for a big deal you're trying to take down you're going to have to market for potential money partners there are so many say you want to sell a property right and maybe it's in a competitive market and and you want to stand out how can you be creative in how you market that property so there are lots of concepts i think that we're going to talk about today that our rookie investors can take away from and implement into their business. So, Mike, my first question to you is, one of the things you said in this book was that people have a responsibility to market their product, to market their business. I think that was a really unique way to phrase it. So I just like break that down for our listeners, what you meant by when you said that there's an obligation or responsibility to market your product.
1: I get a little soapboxy here. So forgive me if I start getting <laughs> all like jacked up. <laughs> But it may happen. I was at an event. I started writing this book seven years ago. It takes me a long time to finish a book. I I work on many in parallel, and uh, it's about seven years ago. I'm at an event, and I remember asking people, "Who here in this room is better than the competition?" Yeah, uh, it was like HVAC companies or something, and and all the hands went up. And uh, at first, I was like, "Can we really? Is that possible? Like, we're all better than each other?" And then it became apparent, small business is better than most small other businesses, and we're better than each other in different ways. One company responds faster. One is more caring. One is, has far technical superiority, and uh, they don't all compete in the same market. So when you look at the markets they're in, in this market, these businesses in general are better than any alternative. And the fact that they're the learners, just like the people listening to your show right now, these are the folks who are actually looking to expand and grow, inevitably better. And then I said, oh my gosh, If we are better in the competition, yet no one finds us, they find the alternative. This is the alternative. This is us. But we're invisible to them. The clients are are getting a disservice. They're they're experiencing someone that's inferior because we are superior. And if our clients or prospects are experiencing something inferior, that's their problem. But it's our fault for not marketing. The other thing I heard, too, and I've been surveying audiences constantly, I ask them, what percentage of your opportunity comes through referrals, through your network, you know, stuff like that. And most people brag, myself included, about that. I almost 100%. Actually, I don't even have to market, to your earlier point. I don't even need to market because business just flows to me. I feel like king of the hill. And I'm like, oh, that means our clients, our network, believe in us so much that they're carrying the marketing burden on their shoulders. They believe in us. Don't doesn't Aren't they just affirming we have a responsibility to get out there? If the, the work you do in real estate is superior to the alternatives out there, damn it, you got to go bigger. You got to be discovered. It's the only way to be of service. That's what inspired this book. And that's why I started to research is what gives the better businesses an opportunity to stand out. And if we're smaller, we can't actually compete against these mega corporations out there with hundreds of millions, sometimes billions of dollars backing them that they're just throwing into advertising, but we can beat them by being different. And that's what we need to exploit.
0: So let's kind of tailor this to our rookie investors here. They're getting started in real estate investing. What's some advice you can give to them to get different as maybe they only have a couple properties. They're just starting out as a new business.
1: Yeah. So the first thing to understand is exactly who and what are you targeting? When I was writing out the book, I talked about what's called the who, what, and when. We've heard of who, what, and when, but the who, what, and when is who are we serving? What are we deriving or delivering to that market. And what is the win? In any transaction, there's two sides. So how do both sides come out ahead? Because if you just win for yourself, the compromise will be your reputation. And if they just win, the compromise will be your continuance. So we have to have that balanced win-win.
2: And Mike, and just to clarify, you're talking W-I-N, not W-H-E-N. You're talking win as in like scoreboard win. That's
1: correct. The who, what, and not the when, but (laughs) the win.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Especially the Jersey accents like what the (laughs)
1: fuck is he saying? (laughs) So uh, right. So we need to get a win, and it's gotta be a bilateral win. Like, Tony, you gotta come out ahead. Actually, you gotta come out ahead, and I gotta come ahead of any transaction. And honestly, even doing a podcast, this is a form of a transaction. Hopefully, you're getting content that serves your community, you get more engagement. Hopefully, I'm getting exposure to a community that hasn't experienced me. That's my win. And anytime we have a transaction, we gotta look for those wins. Once you know the who, the avatar, what, your offer, what the opportunity is, and the when, then we start structuring what will attract that audience. And it always has to lead off with different, hence the title Get Different in the book. Was, I had the good fortune of, of being connected with some people that are really intelligent around how our brain operates, so neuroscientists and people that work in psychology and behavioralists and all these different people, and I interviewed them, and I found an interesting pattern of what triggers recognition for something, for us to see or experience something? If you ever walk down the street and you do that double take, you're like, what, what? That is our brain being triggered by something, and it's different. In fact, our brain only recognizes three things. Everything else gets ignored. In fact, 99.999% of stimuli that comes into the human uh, senses are ignored. It is filtered out by this gatekeeper called the reticular formation. I'm not trying to get too technical here, but... The reticular formation is this gatekeeper that says, ignore that pen sitting on your desk right now, Mike, because you're presenting. We actually have to ignore stimuli to pay attention. But the reticular formation opens up when three things happen. One is when a threat presents itself. That's the number one thing. So if I showed up to your show and I had a gun on me, like, hey, we should we should continue on a little bit longer. I'm waving around my gun at you. I guarantee I'd have your attention. But the threat response hits the amygdala, and the amygdala says, fight or flight. So the two of you are punching me in the face, splitting my face wide open, I'm dead. It's a combative situation, so probably not a good move. The second approach is opportunity. Opportunity opens up the reticular formation, hits the prefrontal cortex of our brain, it lights up and says, what is this? So if I put like a wad of money down in front of you and say, hey, here's $500,000, can we go for a little bit longer? Chances are I have your attention. But the risk is massive on my behalf because you may say, thanks for the $500,000. We're done at the show anyway. So I put risk out there. And by the way, we've seen this in marketing. In direct mail campaigns, you get a, a letter in the mail and uh, it says, open within three days. This is you know, FBI. Will, will hunt you down. And you open up and it's like a car salesman. It's like scumbag. You tear it up. Other times you get into a letter and then there's like a $5 bill pasted on nicely it's like, that's a real $5 bill. Give us a call. You're like, uh, my pocket is getting a call to go to Taco Bell, so sorry. And we take the money. The only third way, the only way and the most effective way into the brain when it comes to marketing is different. The reticular formation opens up. It actually illuminates multiple parts of our brain saying, what is happening? Is this a threat? Is this an opportunity? Is this something I have to qualify as something I can ignore in the future, but I don't know what it is now. So the essence of when you identify that you're better than the competition you've responsibly to market, the only way to get prospects attention is doing something different. Don't do what everyone else is doing. That gets ignored. Is this a blue pen? Do something different.
0: That I think is such a, this is going to be so helpful for people who are using direct mail because right now there are so many, not even sellers, but homeowners just getting tons of letters and postcards, text messages every single day. And how do you kind of filter yourself out? And that's the key is you want to be different so that you stand out from all 50 other postcards that they got that week.
1: (laughs) Right. And it's wildly simple. Step one is look at what everyone else is doing. That's the one thing not to do, particularly in your industry. So if, if everyone's marketing the same way, I remember the first time I got a, Hey, friend email, and I was like. Oh my God, I have a friend that I haven't been in touch with apparently in years who the only thing they call me is friend. They don't even call me by my first name. They're such a great friend. And I fell for it. Started reading through it. I'm like, oh, this is smarmy marketing. I deleted it. And then, you know, a day later or a minute later, the next hey friend came through. And I deleted it. I've put those in the spam box ever since. And perhaps I've received hundreds, if not thousands. And so have you. And that process is called habituation. Habituation is when the reticular formation says, oh, I've seen this stimuli before, it's ignorable, don't even put it into the brain, reject it. And so those, those mailing pieces are guaranteed to be rejected. But if you do something different, they'll get noticed. And here's a technique. You can look at the medium mailing pieces, or you can look at the method. Method is approach. So you can change it to medium. If everyone's saying out mail, why not set up billboards or whatever it says, you know, I'm looking to buy a house or something that would work. But if everyone's doing billboards, that wouldn't work. Or you can stay with the existing medium, but change the method. So if everyone's sending postcards, send a picture of your grandmother and say, my grandma always wanted me to own property in this area. I'm looking to buy. Would you be interested? Now, got to be integral. Don't freaking lie.
0: Right. If you don't even have a grandma and you pull (laughs) pull a picture off the internet, don't do that.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Please don't do that. Consumers are very smart. People sniff that stuff out. The second there's an integrity inconsistency, people raise a red flag. I saw actually happened to me this morning. I was on a Zoom conference for a quick meeting. There was like 15 people on it, but we weren't live yet. So it was like all just people's pictures. And I'm looking at this one picture. I'm like, wow, that woman is like really young to be on this call. I'm actually a little bit surprised. It's not in the right context. It's like It's a glamour shot or something. She then activated her camera, and I was like, oh, my God, you just aged 30 years in one second. She went from this, like, prepubescent to, like, a middle-aged woman in one second, and I felt lied to. I was like, oh, okay. You want to look one way, but you're really another. And, you know, what we need to do is put out our authentic self. Put out your favorite picture of who you are today. With that grandma postcard, it better be a real story. And I'm not saying don't lean into the unique idiosyncrasies or elements of it. Play up, grandma. Send some pumpkin bread from grandma. Do something like that. But do something that's different and you're guaranteed to get attention.
0: Mike, can you give us a real-life example of, doesn't even have to be real estate related, but of where somebody did marketing different and got great results? Well, I'll give you a
1: real estate example because I I featured it in the book. Um, I can talk about gyms that do some cool stuff. But I have a buddy who's a real estate agent, more than a real estate agent. He owns a real estate agency in Colorado. They're pretty sizable. I think they got like 30 or 40 agents. He's a private shop. That's pretty sizable. And he was reading uh, the book before I released it. And he's like, ah, oh, this is really interesting. But he goes, it's just ethereal stuff. He goes, that, it doesn't apply to me. Our industry is established. And here's a golden lesson. The more established an industry, the more common the marketing approach, the easier it is to stand out. The more boring an industry, the more radical the opportunity to differentiate. One example is I used to be in the computer or technology industry, and I was slugging it out with all my competition. And one day, this company called Geek Squad comes in. All they did was they wore flood pants, narrow tie, tape on glasses, and these guys became heroes of the computer arena. Subsequently, they're a $1 billion valuation today after their acquisition from Best Buy. You can do that. In the real estate industry, so this guy, Greg, my buddy, He's like, it doesn't apply to me. I said, well, tell me, how do people market? He goes, I was all the same. And the second I hear all the same, I start salivating. Like, that's an opportunity (laughs) to differentiate. He goes, everyone puts up that stupid sandwich sign, or if it's a fancier house, you put up that little post, you bury it in there, and it hangs there. You run your listings, and you make sure it's on Zillow, listed properly, and you put, your charming fix, charming fix me up house and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's all the same protocol. Let's just start with the most basic thing for the drive-by viewers, the people that are looking at the signs. What if we said a different sign? He's like, well, you can't. Of course you can. What we did is we got signs with windmills on it. These are things you put in gardens typically. And all we did was put a sign with the same placard on it saying house for sale, under contract, all that stuff. But there's now a windmill on top. And it started to get noticed. Because remember, from the consumer, you're driving down the road, another sign, another sign. They're all the same. Maybe a different color, but they're basically the same. So we don't notice. But the second there was a spinning thing, we did the double take. And if you can get the customer to do the double take, it means the reticular formation is opened up, the brain lightens up, it's now questioning what it is. Now, different alone gets attention. It doesn't mean it gets the right attention. So you have to do the other elements of attracting people
4: and directing them to do something. But stage one is do different. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP.
5: Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. This show is sponsored by
3: Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, It might just change your life, just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out
2: how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring, your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mike, you've kind of alluded to this already, but why can't I just like build a better widget? Like why isn't just being good or being the best in your field enough? So being the best in your field is not necessarily noticeable. Like, say
1: say you and I, Tony, have competing businesses, and I'm like, you know, what we're going to do here is we're going to answer the phone in two rings every single time. You go to your team, and you're like, what we're going to do here is answer our phone in one ring and beat that McAllowitz guy. You are unequivocally better. Actually, you're 100% better. You're answering the phone faster. But does the client notice? And the answer is probably not. Probably not. Better doesn't necessarily mean noticeable. And We can argue for the entire day of how your business is better than all of your competitors, but we can also go to your exact competitors and point out how they're better. When I ask people in audiences, are you better? Everyone raises their hand, and it's true, but they're better in certain elements. But most of it is invisible to the customer. It's when we do something that is out of the ordinary that they pay extraordinary attention. Back to Geek Squad, I would actually argue in almost every facet my company is better more certifications, more technical skills, faster response. We cared more. I, the owner, was integrated in the business. I was doing some of the work myself. And here's some guys in costume. But to the customer, it was extraordinary. I mean, who doesn't want a geek fixing their computer? I mean, I do, I do. And it was extraordinary. They made it into a somewhat humorous experience. Once they found that the customer was resonating with it, they amplified it. They used to ride bicycles to their clients. They started out in Minnesota. They expanded nationally. They went into those Volkswagen bugs that look like the Keystone cops. So once you find a crevice of different and you see people noticing, amplify that. It doesn't necessarily mean you are better than the competition in the generic categories. You're just doing something so unexpected and unique that people just have to pay attention. One last thing. I'm not saying you have to be outrageous. I'm not saying you have to be a weirdo or the funny guy. Like, you have to be the real estate agent that dresses in the gorilla suit and dances around. That's different. But- It doesn't mean it's going to work. Different always gets attention. Gorilla suit real estate person gets attention. Stage two is it's got to be attractive. The audience has to say, oh, that's for me. And the geeks, it was for the people that needed their computers repaired. We have to find for everyone listening to the show, what's your different, but is it compelling to the audience. Is that something to say, oh, that's for me?
2: So Mike, can we dive into that a little bit? Because I think that's, that's an important second piece there of, of making it something that can appeal to the person that you're reaching out to. Like we're in the world of real estate investing and say that I'm a new investor and I have this property that I wanna buy, but I don't have the money to do it. And I need to go out and find, I need to market myself to be able to find someone to help me buy this property how do i go about getting into the psyche of that potential partner to even understand what kind of marketing strategy might resonate with them
1: yeah so we first have to identify who they likely are that's the avatar so when the who what and when was structured they're the who we want what to raise money and what's the win for them the win for us so we have to identify that then we target them and we, we do testing so get different is about marketing experiments I'm a little bit against marketing plans in that, marketing plans are great, but a plan means commitment. I plan to tour all 50 states, that's a commitment. But before we go about a marketing plan, we need to know, are we marketing in a way that's gonna be effective? So we wanna start off with experiments and inherent to experiments is a trial and error. Some things will fail. So once we identify who we're targeting those investors, let's try reaching out to them in different ways. Now, interestingly, I've raised money for one of my businesses in the past, and uh, I was looking for angel rounds. These are smaller investors, maybe 100000 to maybe two fifty dollars is what the average investment would be. So it's not major tranches of money, but for me, that's a significant amount of money. If you get two or three people, now you got maybe even a million-dollar raise. So I reached out, and uh, what I did was I, I identified uh, about five perfect angel investors, Most people reach out, they do a blanket thing. They basically do that postcard mailing, just a little more professional spin because it's in an envelope that seals, but it's basically the same. I looked at what every other entrepreneur does to raise capital. I said, okay, that's what I'm not going to do. Now, I used, in this case, the same medium. I sent out the professional letter, but I did a different method. The opening to my letter said, I'm looking to raise money, but before I even tell you about the business, I want to tell you about my values. Rule number one, no dicks allowed. My exact words said, no dicks allowed. And I said, I will never do business with someone that's a dick and I will never be a dick towards someone. I think all humans are equal and uh, we all deserve respect of each other. The second line said positivity or death. And I just put out my four major values.
0: And you made those values stand out too. Yeah,
1: but yeah, they're true.
0: It wasn't like, I just want someone to work with me that will be respectful and I'll be respectful to them. You used words to make it stand out.
1: Yeah. And, and there are words that are true to me. Like if, if you meet me, like how, how you're seeing me now is the same, Mike, if we were having a couple of beers together. I mean, if we had like five <laughs> or six beers, I'm a little more slurry, but <laughs> like when, 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 but it's the same me. And I think I don't want to be the zoom character that you see me when I'm 15 and then you turn it on and you get this guy and you're like, Oh my God, what happened? So I do this consistently. That's a major tractor factor. The how you market must be true to who you are. That's why I even had the, saying, you can't see it behind me fully, but says, be you, all you, always. Truthful for it throughout. What I got back from the first investor was one day letter. I got a certified letter back and I opened it and in red marker, no dicks allowed was circled like 10 times. And I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? And there was a sticky note attached to it that said, I don't like dicks either. And below that was a $100,000 check. His name was Howard Hirsch, best in my company, first guy in, extraordinary investor and extraordinary value alignment. He's been so much more than money toward the organization. He's been strategic relationships and so forth. Helped us grow extraordinarily.
2: Can we, we got to pause on, on that because I I think that is like an incredibly important lesson for people to, to understand. So first let me, let me recap what you said, right? You said be authentic to yourself, right? Be your authentic self and understand what your values are and, and who you want to work with. I think for a lot of people who are in our audience, people who are at the beginning of their real estate investing journey, they feel almost this imposter syndrome because they haven't achieved the same accolades as some of the people that they see on the podcast or people whose books they read. And they feel like they have to kind of puff up who they are, what they've accomplished. Oh, I hate that. But, what you, did, I get but it. what you did, Mike, was the opposite of that, is that you leaned into whatever experience you had. You leaned into your values as a person and you amplified that and it allowed you to attract people that were more closely aligned with what you really want. And that is the super important lesson because for the rookies, say that you do pretend to be somebody else, you're going to attract the wrong type of people. Like, if you're not being who you are, the wrong people are going to gravitate towards you. So, when you be yourself, you're able to find the right person.
1: And the reason is that I that, you know, I hate that is I get why people do that. And I've done that too, this fake until you make it and stuff. But there is this ickiness that was dripping inside. It's like, oh, but that's not really who I am. And to your point, it's attracting the wrong people. I thought I had a pound in my chest. And, uh, you know, I've seen those real estate guys, you got to wear the slick suit and make sure you're munching a cigar. And that when you're going out to lunch, you're flashing the $100 bills and your, your shiny cards. And what if you went in the true self and you simply said, I'm a real estate rookie. I'm the real estate virgin or something. Like, I have no clue what I'm doing, but that's the advantage. With no clue means this deal means everything to me. I am not just 100% in, my whole life is in. Like, I have to make this successful. I will be there every second of the day. That marketing. It's so much more powerful than another slick campaign because it's true. And Now, some, some investors and say, no, I don't want someone that's never done this before. I'm out. But some people are going to say, that's exactly who I've been looking for. I want someone that's hungry, thirsty, starving for this. This is someone I can coach and help in the process and not just invest in. And you'll attract the right people by being true.
0: That's such a great point. And Tony and I were talking about this earlier today is that a rookie investor, a new investor is going to be so motivational and inspirational. I think you just tagged on another aspect to it that they may even work Mm -hmm. harder (laughs) than any experienced investor too.
2: (laughs) So one of the other things you mentioned in the book, and this kind of aligns with what we've been talking about, but it's it's the dad framework. Well, I thought it was a a humorous kind of way to, to phrase that. So what exactly does that mean if we can break that down for the listeners? Yeah,
1: so dad is the checklist, if you will, for marketing that works. We already touched on elements. The differentiate is the first D. Any marketing you do, if it isn't different than the standard noise, it's actually invisible to the consumer. If you don't differentiate, you don't get noticed. So you have to check that box off. But here's the thing, is different lasts for about one-tenth of a second. And this is not just a random number. This is actual uh, research identifies that when we notice something different, our reticular formation opens up and hits parts of our brain and within one tenth of a second, we're placing judgment. If you have ever been outside and you see something kind of squiggle and you jump back, that is the one tenth of a second reaction of the amygdala saying, "I don't know what's going on, something different's happening and it's lighting up our brain to evaluate is this a snake? Does someone turn the hose on? what's going on? So be different get one tenth of a second attention. You immediately need to transition into the attractor factor. Is this messaging for me? It's got to be so clear that's for the audience that you're targeting so speak in their language, use their, the elements that they recognize, and solve a problem they have or service uh, or relieve a pain or just invoke curiosity or entertain. But there has to be a justified reason to continue on. It's actually usually a blend. If you can educate or whatever it is, like where you educate and entertain at the same time, that becomes more powerful. If you can educate and entertain and solve a problem all at once, now it becomes more powerful. So blend those elements together. But the attractor factor, that's the A in DAD, only lasts for one-tenth of a second increments. So it's happening right now. As we're talking, for the folks listening in, they're saying in their head, subconsciously, likely, am I getting value? Am I writing this down, taking notes? Is this transformative? Or is it better just to check email? Well, I get more value out of checking my email. So that battle is happening in everyone's mind, including the listeners, right now, determining. There's a reason this podcast isn't like a 48-hour just onslaught. Like, it doesn't run for 48 hours straight because at a certain point, you can't retain that tractor factor. So be attractive, but also realize that time is ticking away. Then you must go to the direct. A direct is where you give your prospect a specific and explicit direction to take. With this key caveat, it must be reasonable. Like, Say, Tony, you're, you're looking for a car and you, you see that balloon thing, you know, out in the parking lot, which uh, if you recognize that, <laughs> yeah. you've seen this, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. So those things, when they first came out, chances are actually, Tony, when you first saw them, you're like, oh my God, that's so different. The first time. They are so ubiquitous now because it worked, it's become more noise. And we, we don't actually see, we blow by and go, oh, there's balloon boy again. And we often associate it saying, oh, cheapo sale thing, used cars or something like that. So Balloon Boy has deteriorated. That's the problem with different. Different works until everyone replicates it, and then we have to find the new different. It expires. But say Balloon Boy brings you in. That was the d- differentiate. You were attracted. You saw that you wanted to buy a car, and this is in alignment with what you're looking, so it solves the pain you have getting buying a car. I'm the car sales guy. I'm like, hey, Tony, uh, happy looking for a car. Let's find your dream car. Give me a $100,000 deposit. We'll find it. And you'd be like, uh, F no, pal, because it's too big of an ask. When I direct you to do something, it needs to be reasonable. Now, but the wrong approach, too, is to, is to have such a low direct that there's no action required. It'd be like you come into the lot and you're like, hey, I'm looking for a car. I'm like, oh, great. We have cars. I'll see you later and walk away. You're like, what, what do I do? Just wander around? And you see some on websites. I hate going to websites where the, the call to action is learn more. The whole reason I went to the freaking website was to learn more. Don't make me do that. The right action is the reasonable action. So you come to my car a lot, and Tony, I think the right thing would be for me to say, hey, you're looking for your dream car. Would you be willing to give me your cell number? I'll take pictures of our inventory here at this lot and other lots. I'll text it to you so we can hone in on your dream car. That's a transaction. You give me contact information, your cell. I give you information for your decision, and then my job is to matriculate that to the transaction. And then at the end, you have, theoretically, your dream car, I theoretically have my dream commission. And that's what we're trying to achieve together. Has to be reasonable. The last element, or the last thing I want to say about dad, is you have to check off all three. I've seen businesses do something really different and attractive, and then it goes to nowhere. There's no direct. I've seen people say, buy now, but there's no compelling reason to do it. I've seen so much marketing, most marketing, that isn't different in the first place. It speaks to the audience, it tells them what to do, but no one notices because it's unnoticeable.
0: Mike, I wanna pivot here. And we've talked about a business, especially Balloon Boy in front of a business and your friend, the real estate agent, his business and the different marketing. What if you are one person, you work in a closet as per se me, and you don't have a storefront and you don't have a huge marketing budget and you rely mostly on social media to put yourself out as a brand. So real estate investors, whether that's raising money or getting on buyer's list or selling your flips, things like that. What are some ways that just that one person can market themselves through social media or maybe other avenues that you know?
1: Yeah, so what we look for first is what's called congregation points. The congregation point is where are your ideal customers, that avatar we talked about, Congregating. So if they're congregating on social media, we got to refine down, like, is there a Facebook group they're on or is it more of a LinkedIn consumer? Where are they? And maybe they're physically assembling. So maybe you got to get out of that closet and drive down to the local <laughs> club or something like that. So find the congregation points. And the best way and the easiest way to find that is look at your existing best customers and say, hey, where do you go to meet people like you? And Like, oh, everyone goes on Facebook or, or everyone listens to this podcast or there's this club that everyone hangs out at. That's your congregation point. Then we simply need to appear. And uh, appearing simply means just being present, but in a noticeable way. I'll give you an example of this. My first company was doing computers. I was struggling. Geek Scott came in, kicked my ass. I was like, oh, my God, I'm done. But then I noticed my best customer was a hedge fund. I knew nothing about hedge funds, but they were my best customer. I went out and met with them, and uh, I said, hey, you're my my best customer, honestly. I love serving you. I want to serve you better what am I doing right? And this is a key question when it comes to marketing. And this is a Jedi mind trick. Like this is level two stuff. When I said, what am I doing right? He said, you know, the response time is really good. The last computer company didn't respond as quickly. You respond quickly. Whatever you're doing right is not what you're doing right. It's what the customer judges you on. That's the thing you actually have to do better and market on. When he says you respond quickly, I said, oh, okay. I better start responding faster because if I'm ever slow, he's going to be pissed because he's telling me. If I respond faster, I know he'll notice. We do thousands of things. The customer can only see about 0.1% of the stuff we do. To find out, ask him what it is by saying what you're doing right. I then started marketing fastest response times. I wore a lightning bolt on my jacket and I went to the congregation point, which was hedge funds that have a conference out in Long Beach, California. I flew out there. I threw my little lightning bolt on and started walking around, and some people would say, oh, who are you? Do you own a hedge fund? I'm like, no, I'm, a, I'm a, a computer guy. And they're like, oh, you're the only computer guy here, which is different alone. Just being the guy there, that when no one, no one else is appearing, now everyone wants to be your buddy. you are like, oh, you're the computer guy? That's amazing. And they go, what's the lightning bolt? Oh, I said, oh, we re- pride ourselves on response times. Like, you're fast response." I'm like, yeah. That's Appaloosa. That was the company. App asked Appaloosa about response time. And we picked up 75 hedge funds over a two-year period By going to the congregation points, that company was then purchased by private equity. It lives on today and it's actually being resold again. So the lesson is, even if you're in a closet, there's still congregation points. And maybe it's on social media, you're wearing your lightning bolt, or maybe going out to a physical meeting. But first, ask your best customer what you're doing right, where they're congregating, go there, and then demonstrate
2: that right thing through your marketing one follow-up question to that. Was that gold? No, that was, was, that that was great. That was great. And, and like so many...
0: That was awesome.
2: So many good questions that come out of that. But I think you were able to get that insight about the response times being super important and you were able to kind of dive first and just run with that. But say that I'm, I'm like a solopreneur. I'm this one man or one woman show. How do I... Tony,
0: I have to interrupt you and I'm so sorry <laughs> yeah. to do
2: this. First time ever on this show,
0: an interruption. I just have to say something to Mike real quick before we move on about that. Is that as you were just talking about that, as like getting out of the closet and going and finding, like automatically I started thinking about, Where are people that hate their jobs and wanna get started in real estate investing? What conference am I gonna go to and talk to those people and get them listening to the show and get them started (laughs) in real estate investing?
2: (laughs) I love it. Did you figure out the conference?
0: Yeah, I thought that was really great. My uh, friend that's in construction that's going to be partnering with me, he hates his job, (laughs) so maybe construction, construction that they can be project managers (laughs) and do (laughs) rehabs, but that was my first thought.
1: Actually, you know, just to build on that, that technique works. I met with the—I can't remember his name now—but the founder of Boston Chicken, which became Boston Market ultimately. I don't know if it still exists, but pretty big franchise. When he started his first entrepreneurial endeavor as a teenager, he was selling. Uh, back then, they called him ambulators, but push baby carts, or what do they call them now, a carriage, baby carriage. He sold ambulators, a stroller. Stroller, stroller. <laughs> okay, my kids are so old; I can't remember. that.
0: You just aged yourself, right there. I totally
2: aged myself. I'm like, what is, what's it called, that? Yeah, I was, I was Googling ambulator. What is ambulator? <laughs> <laughs> what do all the, these things called cars? What do cars do? We used a horse and buggy.
1: So he. Worked in New York City, and he said what he'd do is most of his competition was going door-by-door knocking, saying, hey, do you have a a child you'll be having in the next nine months? We sell strollers. What he did is he went to the backside, because this is back when diapers were cloth, and you would dry them on the the lines outside, and he'd count doors up or floors up and doors to the side, and he'd go right to the doors. He's able to navigate a building in like one-fifth or one-tenth of the time, and it was hitting the prospect's. I love what you were saying, actually. You're like, where are the people who want to become real estate investors? Don't go into the real estate investor business. That may be too late for that conference. What conference comes prior to that where people are getting disenchanted with what they're doing? That could be the right spot to go. So I was just jacked about your strategy. You gave me gold. You gave me
2: gold.
0: The (laughs)
1: win-win.
2: Yeah, it's a win-win. It's a transaction. Mike, I want to give you some praise because I've read other marketing books. You think of like Purple Cow by Seth Godin, which kind of has a a similar premise, right? But I remember I, I walked away reading that book feeling like, okay, that's a really good idea. But the application wasn't there, right? Like he didn't really give you the steps you need to implement this in real life. So you're left kind of wondering what to do next. Whereas your book, not only do you give a really solid, thorough explanation of the idea, but there are tactical step-by-step things to do at the end of almost every chapter to work this into your business. So with that in mind, Mike, and you know, I guess we can kind of wrap up after this, but where do you see that most entrepreneurs fail trying to implement the action steps or strategies that you have inside of this book?
1: That's a great question. And thanks for
2: pointing it out, the
1: importance of taking action. And uh, Tony, that's where most people fail. They say, oh, this is great, but I'm really comfortable just sitting on social media. And even though social media is not working for me, I'm just going to stay there And because everyone else is running Facebook ads. Maybe I'll put some money in that. And when it doesn't work, I'll get really frustrated and get angry, but I'm going to go back to doing Facebook ads anyway. We, it's a, it's a human tendency, is that we are very comfortable doing what we've done before, even if it doesn't work. So the failure point is that, is that people maybe think something different, and then they, they talk themselves out of it. They say, well, that's not going to work. How I envision is there's a, a devil on our shoulder, and there's an angel. And the the angel's saying, you're better than the competition. The people need you. Get out there and get noticed. And the devil is like, it's embarrassing if you market ineffectively. You'll be shunned from the community. Don't do it. Just do what you've always done, even though it sucks, because you suck. And so, like this de- devil angel going on, and uh, they're fighting. We have to defeat that devil, and to overcome it, we simply have to realize: a) what you do is more important to get noticed than to be invisible. The world is starving for you. Secondly, start off really, really small. Buy that lightning bolt lapel and put it on your pin—a uh, pin on your shoulder. I felt so weird wearing that thing and walking around, and some people noticed it. And I was like, oh, what are you going to do? Like, make fun of me and think I'm like I'm a, pretending to be a superhero? Like, oh, my God. And they're like, oh, that's interesting. What is that? And one person's like, oh, that's kind of weird. Never seen that before. But it invoked conversation. And that started building my confidence. So start with an experiment today. Send out the grandma postcard today. If you're not going to do that, just start wearing something on the lapel of your jacket or outfit that is always noticed. Or commit to a color and just go neon green And everything you do going forward, I'm not saying that's going to work and get results, but it's going to start working on our mind and realize that people will start noticing and speaking about it. And the people that don't care won't notice. They'll just be like, whatever. They'll disqualify us. I've never seen someone do different marketing and the consequence has been like someone killed them or something. What we fear is going to happen never happens. And if we don't do it, our greatest fear will happen and our business will just be stagnant.
0: Mike? Thank you so much for all of this great information. I feel like you jam-packed so much value into such a short amount of time and some great takeaways. And also, you're really funny too. I, I, did
4: <laughs> I,
1: mean, if you're, I hope you got three glasses on because look at that. Look at that. Wow, that's pretty wild. Thanks. You know, I had a lot of fun with, with you, actually. And yeah. this has been a blast. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Can you tell everyone where they can find out some more information about you and reach out to you?
1: Uh, yeah. So let's do it. The place to go, I'll give you two. You, can, I don't know why I'm waving. Is knife a knife right knife? <laughs> this is my letter opener.
0: Wait, we start out the show with you talking about holding us <laughs> at gunpoint and how there's a yeah. knife. Yeah, this is a threat <laughs> technique.
1: Now, here's what you can do. You can go to mikemcallowitz.com, but here's why I wouldn't go there because you won't be able to spell that last name. There's an alternative. It's Mike Motorbike. So uh, that's my nickname from high school not because I've ever driven a motorcycle, just because it rhymed, Mike Motorbike. If you go to MikeMotorbike.com, you will get access to all my books. You can get free chapter downloads, the chapters that will actually help you. So you don't even have to buy the books. I hope you do, but you'll have to. And uh, there's other resources. I used to write for the Wall Street Journal. That's there too. And there's a couple of things that will just hopefully entertain you. I like to joke around, so I think you'll have some fun visiting MikeMotorbike.com.
0: Well, thank you so much, Mike, for joining us. This has been really great. I'm Ashley at Welcome Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. And we will see you guys next time.
2: Getting started in real estate can be daunting. There's so much to know, obstacles to overcome, lessons to learn, and risks to avoid. It can all be so overwhelming. If you're feeling motivated to invest but too overwhelmed to take action, here's some advice